ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. While the city of Denver is celebrating wildly today with a parade as the Denver Nuggets are the NBA champions for the first time, the rest of the league is looking forward to what's next, which includes the possibility of huge names on the move. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And to help us break down all the new moves, when you're talking about huge names, you need the biggest name of all. Vince Carter, ESPN basketball analyst, joining us right now. Vince, always appreciate your time, man. We just had Jay Will on a little bit ago, and so it's like it's just a day full of badass basketball players joining this show. And so uh, we asked him a very simple question about Bradley Beal and where he he should go next. Jay Will said without hesitation that he should go to the Warriors where he can help extend the Warriors' chapter of trying to achieve some level of dominance. Your thoughts on oh, Bradley Beal to the Warriors? You like it? How? His answer was uh, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson. Uh, in exchange, you get Draymond to buy back in, and then you bring in Bradley Beal. I just, I just feel like, uh, I mean, yeah, if that, if that, <laughs> if you can make that happen, that's, that's it's all well and good. I mean, I, I think you know, there's a lot of places, in, in my opinion, that Bradley Beal uh, could work. Um, you know, it just what's the best fit, what makes sense, who can make it happen. I think he'll be good in Boston. I think he'll be very good in Miami. Uh, you know, if he can buy into the Heat culture uh, defensively, offensively, it gives them another score. They, I mean, they, they were just another big time score away from a, a real opportunity. I mean, they were just outmatched by Denver, uh, the Heat, that is. So I, I think there's a couple of places that Bradley Beal would fit. It's just, I just, it, it, I'm having a hard time. Um, believing that the, the the Golden State Warriors will just part ways with Clay Thompson like that. That's where the struggle is for me. I, I think if they can figure out ways, yes, I, I think Jordan Poole, he got his money. He's a, he's, a, he's a movable asset for them, but I just, oh. I mean, yes, you're bringing in a guy like Bradley Bill, but man, Clay Thompson has been a staple for what the Golden State Golden State Warriors have been for very for a very long time. See, Vince, that, that's one of the things for me when it comes to the organization. Um, also, a guy like Steph and Draymond, and who who think very highly of Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think if the Warriors are going to make that move, um, we got to remember Bob Myers isn't there anymore, right? And Bob Myers is a guy who you know help orchestrate this thing and, and help bring this four championships to fruition for that organization. But I think for them moving forward, if they are going to, if they are going to make this move, I think they're going to have to take their feelings out of it. And if they can't do that, sure. I don't think you make the move. Correct. I agree with that because in, in, in Andrew Wiggins plays a bigger role in this, in my opinion, as far as defensively, it's like, Yep. You know, you can say what you want about Clay, and he's not the old Clay of all as far as defensively, but he's pretty darn good. He's still solid. He still understands how 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 to to win at that position as far as defensively. And then you have uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins. So Bradley Bill, you know, you wouldn't rate him above either one of those defensively. He probably would be the last choice. So it's like what you get offensively more so a score than like the the, the shooter. So you get a guy who can you can give the ball to get a bucket, but they hang their hat defensively as well. 
You know, so I, I think you, you're going to be asking a lot of Bradley Bill on, on that side of the ball, and, as opposed to, you know, and then you'll, I think, appreciate the value of Clay Thompson. Yes, he's getting older, uh, and, and I get it. And you, it's, it, you, you want to replenish the wealth and, and, and continue dominance and, and seeing the Western Conference Finals, if not the finals. But like you said, you, you're going to have to, they're going to have to take the feeling out of it. And, and I thought Bob Myers was great at finding the correct talent to, to fit with their roster. And yes, you know, Gary Payton, if you do that, Gary Payton would also have a, a bigger role, you know, as far as defensive uh, responsibility is concerned as well. So, I mean, it could work. We're talking to Vince Carter, ESPN basketball analyst. You mentioned Miami a couple of times, Vince. So just your thoughts right now for a team that came so close to trying to, to win a title and obviously came up against a juggernaut. For them, what's the they right did. approach this year? Uh, and, and, you know, you're hearing Bradley Beal's name thrown around a lot, but there again, Dame Lillard is another guy that could fit perfectly with this team as far as the point guard position. Uh, yes, I thought Gabe Vincent did a great job. Uh, I, I thought he he was very important in the success of their team, and you can see how much he was missed the game he was out with the ankle. Um, you know, if, but if you bring in Dame Lillard, you probably you probably get off of Kyle Lowry. I'm assuming um, to possibly keep Gabe Vincent to have him as your backup. So uh, they have a lot of options. I mean, if you for them, they've done a great job of finding finding the the, the right pieces and or players that fit their culture because it's easy to go pick players the the basketball talent but the personality and the fit has to fit what they want culturally and everybody is not a Miami Heat guy you know every every superstar can't just walk into that Miami Heat organization and have success so as much as we want to see a Bradley Beal or even a Dane Lillard there has to be willing to you know, sacrifice a little bit and understand and buy into the culture that is there in uh, in Miami. So, Vince, I want to talk about, you know, Zion Williamson for a second because mm. I would personally think being a number one overall pick and wanting to live up to the hype and making millions of dollars and, you know, just being that guy that can be the face of the NBA would be enough to motivate Zion. Um, from your perspective, when you look at Zion being in New Orleans, do you think he's motivated enough in New Orleans to well, you hey, know change the narrative? Real quick, I want to ask you: If you're in that position, what would you do with him? Me personally, it's it's yeah. tough because when he's on the court, right. it, it, it looks right. good. When yeah. he's not, then we see them fighting for a play-in spot. So fight for their life. Okay, but but uh, but no, you I have ask that because it's that's the situation I think New Orleans is in because Zion is a, a, a huge piece and he's, he's, he could be a, he's, he could be a guy that's the face of the league. And, you know, I was on a show earlier today and guys were talking about his motivation for playing basketball. And if you know, you're an athlete, you get it. You've seen it. You yep. possibly have been there before. If you're disgruntled, it's some, sometimes it's hard to come to work and, and, and play in that position because you're ready to move on. And I kind of think that's where Zion is. I don't question him not loving the game because I think that was the issue before is he was begging to get back on the floor. But the organization, at the same time, if I'm giving you $200 plus million, I'm protecting my asset. I'm making sure the product I put on the floor is, 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 is once you hit the floor, you're going to be there 
for the series, the season, whatever the case may be. And Zion, in my opinion, they felt it, it seems like they felt like he was he was headed. And putting him back on the floor because he wants to play might not be a great idea as opposed to just putting him back on the court when he's physically healthy and ready to play. Because at the end of the day, if I give you all this money, I need you, you know, because of what we, the the taste test that we've seen and the the small sample size, you see that he's dominant and what he can do and what the Pelicans look like. When he was on the floor at one point, they were number one in the West. And everyone's like, yo, how good were they? And then all of a sudden, it was just like, they're plumbing. So they have like a real situation here because let's look at the other side of this if you would real quick. You move on from him. You bring in Scoop. How, how does now Brandon Ingram feel about this because of his emergence and how good he's been? He's been since his injury. He's come back and he's been dominant. Became an all-star. So it's just like, yeah, you're moving on from this, but you have to make sure it works. And maybe they don't care because maybe they can turn that into a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown type of uh, situation with, with Scoot Henderson and um, B.I. Who, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of – I hate to be in this position, man, because, like – if you move on from Zion, he becomes something. Yeah, that's somebody else's problem. But I just don't think – if, if I'm an organization, the one thing I'm not doing, guys, I'm not putting it out there, oh, we're trying to, to move up to get the third pick, potentially moving from our moving on from our superstar. That tells me everything to me, H, if you think about it. Yeah. If you're a player and you hear that, what are you thinking right now? Yeah. Oh, no, this that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, real quick, I know we got to let you go, Vince, but if I can make you the basketball, yeah, the, the, you're the czar of all basketball. You can snap your fingers, and for the good of Zion, Ooh. you can put him anywhere in the league where he could just be the best version of himself. Where would you snap your fingers and put Zion? That's tough. Like he, that's tough. But look here, they're. Tr- I, I I thought about this. They said that they're trying to move up to the third position. Correct. Yeah. Who has the third pick? Portland. Hmm. Dame Lillard and Zion. I mean. All right. You, you know, maybe you have to get off of Grant, uh, you know, but maybe you keep uh, Anthony Simons possibly. I don't know, but you just you put pieces around that. You get a, a dynamic like uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Uh, he, a force, not, maybe not the, the passing like that, but he's very capable of making plays for others because of his dominance in the paint and his willingness to pass. But you get a guy who's, who, who's great rolling, pick and roll, not the shooter, obviously, Jokic is, but I'm just talking about as far as him setting screen rolling with Dame coming off pick and rolls, and then you just get him some shooters. With Shaden Sharp, too. Situation. That's what I'm saying. With an athlete. Now, yeah. you know, he, he, even if he doesn't, he doesn't shoot the ball well, which he's a pretty solid shooter, he's another athlete. I'm, every now and then, I'm getting him. Uh, he's my cutter. He's my cutter, which now still opens up open shots in the backside. So, I, I, I just hate to see them get off of Anthony Simon. That young man is, is, is something. Trust me, I know. Vince, we appreciate your expertise, my friend. As always, thanks for hanging out with us and giving us man, the knowledge. always, man. It's always a pleasure. Vince Carter, ESPN basketball analyst, hanging out with us. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends like I do with Annabelle. Life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. I love you, Annabelle. All right, everybody in the grandma is telling you right now, Zion Williamson should be a New York Nick. I'm going to tell you why absolutely that is the worst thing that could happen next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
I don't know exactly what the right thing to say is about Zion. The Pelicans, if they want to move way up in the draft, you're looking at potentially making Zion Williamson available. That would be a fascinating decision, Mm. but if the Pelicans are serious about moving up, I think that must be something that they're considering. There's going to be a GM or owner out there that says, you know what, we can fix them. We would love to have them. The ends are not justifying the means, and if I can turn this into someone else's problem, I do it. We're taking something very complicated when it comes to Zion Williamson and simplifying it. The ends don't justify the means. Well, it certainly did when New Orleans looked like they could be the best seed in the West. Certainly did when it looked like Zion could be an MVP. But it certainly doesn't when we see Zion deal with some of the -the off-the-court and weight issues and things like that that seem to be a distraction to his NBA career. It's not cut and dry. But there is one cut and dry thing to me. Zion Williamson should not be a New York Nick. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And look, this is what happens. Every time somebody needs a new home, inevitably, Harry, somebody in the media landscape decides that it should be the garden. I've heard plenty of people say, well, what he really needs to go is, do is go to a bigger market that will keep him more engaged, a place like Madison Square Garden. And in fact, our producer extraordinaire, Evan, dug all the way back to April 18th of 2021 to find this little press conference nugget that I'm sure is going to be played over and over and over again when Zion was asked about playing in New York. New York is the mecca of basketball. I love playing here. Uh, when I played here in college, and this is my first time playing here in the pros, and I mean, this this atmosphere, you know, whether they're cheering for you, whether they're booing for you, uh, it's amazing. Uh, honestly, I think outside of New Orleans, obviously, uh, I think this might be my favorite place to play outside of New Orleans. I can't even lie to you. I can't lie to you. So Zion loves a garden. I guess that means he should be, be a Nick, Harry? Like, is it, this, like is <laughs> New York suddenly, suddenly going to suddenly cure what ails Zion? Okay, hear me out. Just hear me out for a second, Fitz. What we just heard from Zion Williamson was excitement. You could tell he was grinning. From one side of his face to the other side of his face, he played there in college. He understands what Madison Square Garden does for people. On top of him being the type of player that New York Knicks fans would drool over. Now, I understand there is the the notion that, okay, what if he gets injured and the New York media that eat him up and he may feel they may feel some type of way or whatnot. That comes with the territory. They're doing that regardless right now. Everyone, all of us in the media right now are doing that to Zion right now as it is. Now I understand with being in New York, it may ramp up a little bit more. But my brother Tony Douglas played in Madison Square Garden for four years. I know what that's like. I witnessed that with my own eyes. What Madison Square Garden does for people and their approach and their mindset and the love that those New York Knicks fans have for their team. And also their building in Madison Square uh, Garden. So... I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Zion in the New York Knicks uniform. And I understand there are some things that come with playing sports in New York, but listening to that piece right there that we just heard, play it one more time for me, Fitz. I, I got to hear it one more time because the excitement that I hear from Zion is something that I, have, I haven't heard recently for him. From New him. York is the mecca of basketball. I love playing here. Uh, when I played here in college, and this is my first time playing here in the pros, and I mean, this this atmosphere, you know, whether they're cheering for you, whether they're booing for you, uh, it's amazing. Uh, honestly, I think outside of New Orleans, obviously, uh, 
I think this might be my favorite place to play outside of New Orleans. I can't even lie to you. I can't lie to you. Harry, you're right. He sounds happy. Yeah. Why does he sound happy? Because he's not actually in New York all the time. Your brother played in that market. You just mentioned the love they have their team. That also means they have absolute disdain for anyone that lets their team down. We both know the first time Zion walks in somewhere to get a slice in New York and they don't think he's the appropriate weight to do that, they're going to throw him a salad with a comment along with it. In time, Every time he has a bad game, he walks up and down the streets, they're going to make some sort of a comment to Zion. Like, if he wants to go somewhere where he can thrive, where he feels like he can be supported, where he feels like he can have everything, I'd ask, why do you want more platform when all you're doing right now is not living up to the platform you've been given? More expectations don't help you live up to expectations. They squish you in this process. He had to go away from his team just to rehab because he wanted to do it on his own. Did he go to New York? No. Did he go to the best doctors in the world in Chicago? No. He went isolated to the Pacific Northwest. Like, he is a weird dude that's hard to get a read on. You don't put a weird dude in New York and then say, here, good sir, save our franchise in a city where, frankly, they'll give you like one year grace period. And then if you ain't bringing home the Larry OB, you're going to be considered trash moving forward. There is no way if I'm Zion, I need to step foot in that because I don't think, frankly, let me say this clearly. I don't think Zion is capable of handling the pressure cooker known as New York City. Let me say this right now, because my brother's played in Spain. He's played in Turkey. He's played. He's playing in Portugal right now. He's played in the uh, in Golden State in the Bay Area. He's played in Houston. He's played of numerous of places. You want to know his favorite city where he lived? It was New York. It was New York of all the places I just named. New York is his favorite place. And when I asked him that and he told me New York, I was I was stunned because I didn't think that was going He was in Miami with the Heat and LeBron them when they went to the finals and lost to the Spurs. New York is still number one on his list. Sure. I, I mean, Harry, if you gave me the option today between living in New York, New Orleans, or Miami, I would pick New York. I love that city. That doesn't mean that if I can't handle the, like, I mean, I've got a Madison Square Garden tattoo on my arm from when we played there. Like, I I absolutely love the garden. I absolutely no, love New York. It's a great place to live. And if you're dirty rich, it's an even better place to live. Let He'd have this. a better life there. Let me he just this. wouldn't have a better career. What if the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden brings out the best in Zion? That's, what, if, what, what if New York does that for Zion? Brings out the best in him. They're going to have to have the right structure around Zion the whole way. Because you're talking about somebody that, frankly, doesn't – like, he's in a city full of temptation, and he's flying in more temptation. Let's just gently say it that way, right? Like, he's in a city where you okay, can get so, into all so the trouble news you want, flash, and he's let, flying let, in more trouble. Let me trouble. tell y'all how this professional athlete, athlete uh-huh. thing works. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zion ain't the only damn one. No, no, no. Probably about 85% of them are doing what Zion is doing. It's I, just they they aren't getting exposed like Zion is getting exposed. I'm not say I'm not saying you're wrong about that. I'm just, just thought I'd throw it out there. I'm just not saying. that I know anything. You know, I, hey, I'm a happily married man. Not that I know anything about that. I'm just saying about 85% of them probably do the same thing. Uh, you are not wrong about that. I just think Zion, uh, you know, already can't get, he can't get away with it in New Orleans. He ain't standing a chance <laughs> in the Manhattan area with that media. Coming up, another star who shined in New York now is trying to get back to the mountaintop with a new team. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
I'm ready to be great, ready to be excellent again. I'm just ready for that opportunity. This was the guy that we felt could help take us to the next level. He can provide all of that leadership to the Raven locker room. I feel great now. You know, I'm still in my process of getting ready for September. I had to sit back and watch everybody have fun last year and do backflips in the end zone and hit the gritty and everybody got to have fun and I was just, you know, looking at the chops. It feels like a fresh excitement around a team in the NFL that we're used to see play very well. The question is, is this year they go to the next level? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And so much of this is about Lamar Jackson. Some of it is about Odell Beckham Jr., but mostly it's about all of them together. There's no one thing this year, Harry, for the Ravens, and I think it has everybody excited. It's a whole collection of things. It's Lamar Jackson getting his deal done, so that conversation just ends. It's having a new offensive coordinator. It's having better weapons. And, you know, we're all going to have all eyes on Lamar, including yesterday when he talked about getting more reps with Odell Beckham Jr. I want you to hear what he said. Tell me what you think. I think he looked pretty smooth. Chris routes, great hands. As everybody knows, you know, he can catch the ball. Look pretty good out there. Odell is a legend to a lot of us. What he did his early in his career and, you know, the past year when he was with the Rams and stuff like that. You know, Odell is him. Um, one of those guys. Honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing um, this combination between Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. When I look at a guy like Odell, um, in which eight years he's been in the National Football League because he didn't play last year, he's had five of those years in which he had over 1,000 yards receiving. I looked at him when he went to the Rams and how he learned that offense and became another guy that they can count on to the point to where you got to the Super Bowl, and if he wouldn't have got hurt, probably would have won Super Bowl MVP. But you talk about a guy that runs routes the correct way, and I love route runners. Um, strong hands can win one-on-one. Adding that outlet to, for Lamar Jackson and company uh, for the Baltimore Ravens offense, I think it's going to be phenomenal on top of having Zay Flowers. And now you get a guy like Zay Flowers taking the top off the defense and defenses have to worry about that. And Odell Beckham Jr. is one-on-one even more. Or you get a, a Mark Andrews or Isaiah Likely one-on-one with safeties and linebackers um, at the tight end position. I think it's going to pay huge dividends for the Baltimore Ravens. And Fitz, we talked about this plenty of times, how a lot of people like to judge Lamar Jackson. Judge him after this season. If he can remain healthy, I, like I always said, I wanted to see Lamar Jackson when he had the arsenal at his disposal, what he was going to be able to do with it. Now he has that, and I think he, he's, he's, in, he's in good standings right now when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens organization. They have a new offense, an offense that is also going to allow him to be better at the quarterback position. And I'm just looking forward to seeing it. And, and you want me to be really honest, I'm looking forward to week two because that's the matchup against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And we all seen last year in that playoff game, the Baltimore Ravens literally should have won that game if it wasn't for, you know, a crazy turnover by uh, Tyler Huntley. But also if they had Lamar Jackson, a lot of people feel like they would have won that game as well. So I'm looking forward to week two when they play the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow to see who's going to come out on top and win that game. You mentioned the injuries. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. For two straight years, this team has been absolutely decimated by injuries. And one thing that I've said to you a lot as we've gone get start getting ready for football season is I feel like we don't necessarily put enough respect 
uh, respect with the K on the Buffalo Bills and their record last year. I honestly think we forget how good the Ravens were also. To the end of two years ago, no team in the NFL lost more games by starters than the Ravens, and they were still in it all year. Last year, they went 10 and 7. And there's just this mindset. They went 10 and 7 with an offense that felt limited because I, I don't think the offense coordinator was any good. Uh, I didn't like the play calling. Uh, they had a ton of injuries. They lost Lamar, as you mentioned. They still finished 10 and 7. Like, we're talking about this Ravens team like they finished 7 and 10. And I think your point's a really good one. That if, you, if, you're, if you're just desperate to judge Lamar Jackson harshly, let's give him this year and see what he does this year with great weapons and with a great offensive coordinator, or at least very good weapons and very good offensive coordinator. We know this is a well-coached team, and it's funny because we know they're well-coached. We know their defense usually plays fairly well. We know these things about the Ravens. We know they're going to be able to run the football. What's funny to me is that all of those same things when you're wearing a Patriots uniform is given a benefit of the doubt to why the Patriots are going to be very good. I want to do the same thing with the Ravens. When you put OBJ who's had a year off to get healthy. I think it'll take a few weeks to knock the rust off, of course. Like, that's natural. But he's had a full year to get his body to feel right. That's powerful, man. So, to me, you got a wide receiver that's coming out that they paid that money for a reason, that wants to come out and show the world who he is, that the last time he came out with that chip on his shoulder helped a team that was getting into the Super Bowl. Like, all of these things stacked together make me very, very pro-Ravens this year. I, I would be stunned. All they have to do is be who they were last year. They're 10 wins. If they're better... This is a 12-win football team. And, and I'll say this. Last year, you, they had, uh, you know, leads in a lot of those games that they lost and lost them closely. And I'll say this about Odell Beckham Jr. because he bl- brings that playoff experience, that Super Bowl experience that he may be able to help, you know, some of these young guys with who have not been in those situations or understand what it's all about. I also think when you look at the Baltimore Ravens from a defensive uh, uh, perspective, I think if I have to look at one area for their team where, you know, I want to see the growth, it's their defensive line because you have guys that aren't there anymore. But also you have guys there that, that, that have been there that need to step up because what, what's one of the things that we're, we are accustomed to seeing from the Baltimore Ravens? That defensive line being a force. That defensive line head hunting their opponent, going and getting after the, uh, the quarterback of the opposing team. I want to see players on their defensive line step up that much more this season and make plays when the numbers are called. I also want to see what Mark Andrews does this year when, frankly, he's not the only person you could key on. You always talk about game records, how you come into a meeting yep. and, t- and you know the offensive coordinator would show the defense, hey, here are the game records we have to look out for. Well, for the last several years, there's been one game record to worry about in the passing game. That's Mark Andrews, right? Now, all of a sudden, if you're worried about Mark Andrews, you're going to let OBJ get out there one-on-one? Like, is that really going to be the new reality? These are the matchup things that are created by one significant addition. And it's not just one addition. Trey Flowers also, uh, we all agree, going to be great for this. So You want to know know what makes it even worse, though, too? That run game isn't going anywhere. That run game is going to open up just that much more when it comes to the passing game. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a wild offense. I think the most interesting story of the first month will be teams trying to figure out what the Ravens' offense looks like this season. Coming up, from a former Giants star to another one who's actually still looking for his payday. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
from Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year, I was healthy, looked like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public, I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect. So, according to reports, the Giants may have put their offer back on the table to Saquon, and no, none of us have any idea what's next in a wild negotiation between a great player and a team that's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry, I just want to quickly tell you before we get to the Giants, I think my parade plans are starting to come together. I feel like right now, uh, right now there's a chance I, I got a little pool invite going. I got a little pool invite going. May or may not have gotten myself a, a, a suite down there. Might may not, not have gotten myself a little suite down at Nomads. Going to be hanging out at Nomads uh, down in Park MGM area. Like, uh, going to be living that sweet life. Uh, got myself a a spot for the parade uh, that is a, you know, a seat with an umbrella but over I'm it with food I'm not and alcohol. I'm not surprised because you are a big deal, my brother. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, nobody on national, at least uh, that I'm aware of, is out here trumpeting the city of Las Vegas the way I do constantly. You are right about that. I'm very proud of where I'm from, just like you're proud of Atlanta. I'm gonna start uh, calling uh, you Mr. Las Vegas himself. You know That's what? what? I'm gonna start. I'm still him. might need to hit you up though because I haven't got like Dreas hasn't called me yet. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I got Friday and Saturday now. I gotta fly well, it let back. Let me know if you want to go to that jit joint. You I know mean, jit joint is. Mm, I. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I <laughs> <laughs> I got to fly back on Sunday. So, you know, we'll see what kind of condition I am. Uh, I'm in on the flight. All right. Uh, Fitz and Harry, everybody's talking about Saquon. And according to, like I said, some reports are out there that the Giants have put an offer back on the table. The offer that was there before the franchise tag to Saquon to say like, hey, you've had some more time to think about it. What do you want to do? I don't know why that voice. That's just what we're going to go with. And so uh, with that being said, it raises a question of if Saquon doesn't like this, will he sit out the season? Jordan Ronan, ESPN NFL Nation Giants reporter, said this about that on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Harry, tell me what you think. Sitting out a season, I find very difficult if you're in Saquon Barkley's position right now because let's say he sits out the season. Is he really going to get a monster, monster deal? That's, That's why I'm at saying. the end of the day, I think when that deadline comes around, they'll ultimately be able to find a middle ground. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be what Saquon ultimately wants, but his leverage is kind of limited there, right? It's either sit out a season or take, like, let's say a mediocre deal, it turns out to be, in his eyes. You almost have to take the mediocre deal in this situation because sitting out a season and losing a season as a running back in the NFL is a really, really tough proposition. I would also say for Saquon Barkley, you know, I, I wouldn't sit out. If it comes to a point to where he has to play on a franchise tag, you know, just go in there, collect your money. Dang, you know what? My toe is hurting me. My mm. hamstring is hurting me. <laughs> but don't give up your money. You know what I mean? Go ahead and collect your coins and, 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 and save what you need to save. But you show up, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to play. Like I said again. My foot's kind of bothering me. My hamstrings kind of bother me. You know, my quad is a little tight. You know, and I, I can't, I can't do all the drills. I can't, I can't go out there. And I would do that before I would just sit out and not collect the money. Now, uh, Devin is our resident Giants fan. Uh, Devin immediately uh, shook his head, uh, and I get it because Saquon has never seemed to be that type, right, Devin? Like that's going to be the argument is that Saquon, like Saquon's a good soldier for the brand, right? 
I just think if he's gonna if he's there, he's gonna be there, and if he's not, he's gonna sit out. I don't think there's gonna be a middle ground where he agrees to to play, and then all of a sudden a, a toe comes up. But he doesn't have any choice but to take the deal. If he doesn't take the deal and has to sit out, it starts costing him millions of dollars. Like if he just keeps saying I want what's fair, then I mean, how do we know at this point? That, like I, that's I hear what you're saying. That hasn't been an indication of who he is. But this is a very simple negotiation, right? As everybody's pointed out at this point. Uh, the, this year, franchise would be about $10 million. Next year, the franchise would be about $12 million. So, realistically, the best thing to do is to offer him a three-year deal, $22 million of it's guaranteed. That covers the next two years. The third year's funny money. He can just be thrown out at that point. And that, I, that sounds harsh when I say it, but that's how an organization can look at it. Dev, if, it hasn't, if that hasn't happened, if you and I are smart enough to know that that's the right contract and it hasn't happened, why should we presume that there's any easy resolution to this? I, I, I don't think it necessarily is easy, but again, like Jordan Renan said, he doesn't have any leverage other than sitting out of the season. And again, a running back 26 years old who's had injury concerns, you sit out of season, like, I mean, that's, I just don't see that as likely because the only person we can comp that to is Le'Veon Bell. I, I just don't think Saquon. But that's Burgu- where Harry's point comes in. He does have leverage. He could show up and just say, "Yeah, my foot hurts, my ankle hurts, my knee hurts, my calf is sore, yeah, my eyelids are sore." Like that is his leverage. I guess. I, I guess he could do that. But like again, I go back to like him as a player and what he says. Like he's either all in or or he's not. I just. Well, let me let me ask you this though, Dev, because at all the all, I, I, you look at the Giants' schedule right now, um, with Saquon Barkley, how many think how many games do you think they can win with Saquon Barkley? With Saquon Barkley, yes. I think the ceiling I gave them before the year was nine. Nine, nine games. Okay, so how many games do you think they're able to win without Saquon Barkley? I'd probably give I, I Saquon's good enough where I would probably give him two two games, so probably seven. Okay, you still think they can win seven games without Saquon Barkley? Again, and, and, I, and I just I find that hard to believe because the baseline of their team, especially well in two thousand twenty two, um, the sample size that we do have was more so leaning towards the run game. And the run game of Saquon Barkley also made the run game for Daniel Jones that much easier as well, right? And you look at the stats, and the Giants were the fourth uh, best rushing team last year. As an individual, Saquon was the fourth best rusher, um, if we're just talking about player-wise. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Brian Dable wanted to, to protect Daniel Jones from certain things that he may have seen on film previously before he got there. There's a reason why in the fourth quarter they didn't allow Daniel Jones to throw certain things, certain passes. It's a reason why they, they leaned on the run game. And before Brian Dable came to New York, I didn't view Brian Dable as a, okay, we're going to rush the football type offensive line. But he understood bef- before he got there what he had to do in order to protect someone on his own team and which was his quarterback that's why Saquon Barkley is very very important to this team also he's not just a runner you talk about you get a third and fourth situation and New Orleans used to run this all the time H choice coming out of the backfield where you can break in you can break out you can keep it up the field you can you know just sit down in the in, in the hole if it's zone that's very valuable when you have a running back that can be involved in the pass game. And I remember maybe two or three years ago when Saquon Barkley's lined up one-on-one with Marshawn Lattimore. 
and he beats him down the field for a go route because Marshawn Lattimore is peeking in the backfield, not thinking that he has to pay attention to a running back. So that's the value that Saquon Barkley actually brings to the New York Giants, not just as a runner, but also as a pass catcher out of the backfield. The hardest part for me on that, Harry, is you're right, but Saquon last year rushed for 1,300 yards, and he had uh, 340 yards receiving. I only say that quickly because Josh Jacobs rushed for 1,600 yards and had 400 yards receiving. Josh Jacobs had four less catches for 70 more yards. He's every bit equally the same importance, I think, to the Raiders' offense. And the Raiders were still an abysmal football team. I genuinely don't know. You can have the best running back in the world. I'm not sure it helps you win games. But if you want a Super Bowl, do you need to have a great running back? Like Nobody knows the answer to this. We'll keep breaking it down. Another NFL team dealing with a massive issue in minicamp. Their coach made it worse. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 